All right, well, if you grab your Bibles, it would be good for you to follow along and open up to Matthew chapter 7. This is, I've been counting it down over the last few weeks, this is the second to last sermon in, in our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's been a wonderful experience. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5 through 7. We've been going through this for quite a while now. We took a break in the middle, but we started this back at the beginning of the year. So we've been going through this sermon in depth, and it has been a profound experience for me simply to soak in the teachings of Jesus and to hear from him over and over what is really important. And uh, I, I kind of hate that it's ending. I joke that when we finish, we'll just start over at the beginning and go through it again. But no, we're going to actually go into Genesis for a while and study the life of Jacob. I'm excited about that too. Uh, but for now, we're in Matthew 7. And we're coming into the closing words of Jesus as he wraps up this sermon that he's been delivering. He began the sermon in Matthew 5, and he started off the sermon, just so you remember, he started off the sermon with this invitation, invitation of grace to say, anybody who wants to follow me can. That's how the Sermon on the Mount starts. Jesus just invites all of us, anyone, to come and follow him. Uh, You don't have to prove your worth. In fact, he says, just be poor in spirit. Just show up and admit that you have nothing to offer and you can come in, you can follow me. So this is wide open to everyone, this message of grace. And then he says, but here's what it looks like to follow me. And the rest of the sermon is Jesus explaining what a disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. He says, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And if you wanted to sum it up in one word, it would be the word love. Love. To follow Jesus is to live a life of love. And at the end of his sermon in Matthew 7, 12, Jesus says the familiar golden rule, and he says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the law and prophets. That's the core of his teaching. What it means to follow him is to commit yourself to a life of love. Now, along the way in this sermon, Jesus has warned against some very real and significant dangers to trying to follow Jesus. One of the dangers is hypocrisy. In chapter 6, he warned us about hypocrisy and said there's, there's a real danger in only pretending to love, but not really loving. Just acting like a Christian without really being one. And then in the second half of chapter 6, he pointed out the danger of money. That money is seductive and can steal our affections away from Christ so that we end up loving money and possessions instead of loving God and other people. And he says that's a real danger. And then chapter 7, he warned us of the danger of judgmentalism. He said, we've gotten all these wonderful teachings from Jesus. We've learned so much about how we're supposed to live. Now we can take those teachings and use them to beat other people down and to judge them and condemn them. He says, don't fall for that trap. And now as he ends chapter 7, he gives us three more significant warnings. The first one we looked at last week, it was in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, where he said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Last week we spent a lot of time on this, just seeing how Jesus warns us of the danger of underestimating what Christianity requires. It's the danger of thinking that Christianity is something easy, something you can tack on to your life like a hobby. But it's not like that at all. It requires total life commitment. 
total surrender to Jesus. You have to enter the narrow gate. You have to admit that you are a sinner and you have to surrender your whole life to the lordship of Jesus. Not just a moment of your life, not just a portion of your life, but your entire life. And so Jesus warns us of misunderstanding what he's taught and and thinking that Christianity is some sort of um, easy thing, some sort of um, extra thing that you could tack on to your life. He says, don't fall for that. There's a narrow gate, there's a narrow way. It leads to life, but few find it. And then the third warning, the last warning we'll look at next week, comes at the very end of the chapter, where Jesus warns the danger of hearing his words, even agreeing with his words, but failing to live them out. With a powerful story of two people building on two different foundations, he points out that that is the dumbest thing that you could ever do, is to hear the words of Jesus, even admire the words of Jesus, but fail to put them into practice. And we'll look at that next week. But this week we have a a warning sandwiched between those two in verses 15 through 23 where Jesus prepares us for an ugly truth that there are people out there who want to destroy you. Not only do you have to watch out for hypocrisy and the temptation of money and the tendency to judge other people, or the difficulty of making a full life commitment for Jesus, but you also have to watch out for people out there who want to destroy you. People who lie in the name of Jesus in order to shipwreck your faith. So Jesus warns, beware of wolves. This is Matthew 7, verses 15 through 23. You can follow along as I read it out loud for us. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. As we try to understand this passage today, I want to make two points. Pretty simple. The first is that there are false teachers and prophets. And the second one is that you can recognize them by their fruits. First, there are false prophets and teachers. There are false prophets and teachers, they exist. Verse 15, Jesus warns us, beware of false prophets. He warns us, there's going to be some people out there who exist who will come to you and they will look like the real thing. They will look like a Christian. But underneath, they are not really a Christian. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Now you notice here in verse 15, he just says, beware of false prophets. 
And as I'm speaking to you, I'm also saying beware of false prophets and teachers. I'm including that word teachers there because as you look throughout the rest of the New Testament, you see these same warnings repeated over and over. Sometimes they use the language of watch out for false prophets. Sometimes they say watch out for false teachers. Sometimes they say watch out for false apostles. But they're all talking about the same kind of people, people who lie, people who lie in the name of Jesus, pretending to be Christians, pretending to speak for God in some capacity, but really all they're trying to do is to devour and destroy the sheep. So we'll use those terms interchangeably. And the first point, all I'm trying to say in this first point is that these people exist. These people exist. Jesus says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who claims to be a Christian, not everyone who uses the language of Christianity is actually a Christian. There are some people, there's a subset of people who claim to be Christians who aren't. They say the name of Jesus. They claim the name of Jesus. They minister in the name of Jesus. But they are not really Christians. Christians. Let's look a little more how they're described. He says, they are wearing sheep's clothing. They come to you in sheep's clothing. It doesn't just mean that they wear a lot of wool, right? He's talking about the fact that they look like Christians. Christians are often described in Scripture as being sheep. Followers of God are called sheep. And so to wear sheep's clothing means that they have put on the outward appearance of a Christian. They look like Christians. They're hypocrites. Folks who are acting like Christians outwardly, but not transformed inwardly. So they do things that Christians do. They look like Christians. If you look at these people, you will see that they go to church. In fact, they may even lead a church. They have Bibles. They carry their Bibles. They may even quote from their Bibles. Generally not in context, but they quote the Bible. Uh, They pray, especially in public when other people notice. They give to help the poor, especially if someone sees them. They talk about God. They say the name of Jesus. They look like Christians outwardly. They're the sort of people that act like Christians well enough, talk like Christians well enough, sound like Christians enough, that if you only spend a little bit of time with them, on a superficial level, you would say, yeah, that's a Christian. They wear the clothes. And that's the first characteristic of a false teacher, is that at first glance, they're not obviously bad. At first glance, when you look at them, you think, that is a Christian. That is a good teacher. They look like Christians, but they're not. Jesus says, outwardly they wear sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. The inside doesn't match the outside. And pay attention to how Jesus describes the inside. He doesn't say, inwardly they are cute little children dressed up in a sheep's costume. Oh, isn't that so cute? Look at that false teacher. This looks so cute dressed up like a Christian. These aren't harmless people. These are not harmless. Not like little kids dressed up for Halloween in a sheep's costume. They're wolves. Notice he doesn't even even just say, um, outwardly they look like sheep, but inwardly they are smelly skunks. 
which I don't like skunks. Nobody likes skunks. Horrible. You want to avoid them. You don't want to be sprayed by them. You don't want your stuff sprayed by them. You don't want to be anywhere near them. They're disgusting. They're annoying. Their effects are not fatal, though. They're temporary. They're an inconvenience. Jesus doesn't say, beware of those false teachers who are inwardly smelly skunks. He says, beware of the false teachers who inwardly are ravenous wolves. They are not just harmless. They are not annoying. They are destructive. They are a very great danger. They are hungry wolves. They do not want to feed you. They want to eat you. They don't want to serve you. They want to satisfy their own desires. They're ravenous. They're hungry. In Ezekiel 34, uh, God describes false teachers very graphically. I'm sure this passage was in Christ's mind as he was calling them ravenous wolves. And Ezekiel 34 says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Ezekiel 34, verses 1 through 4. And this is what false teachers look like. They're supposed to be shepherds. They're supposed to be feeding the sheep, but instead of feeding the sheep, they are slaughtering the sheep and eating the sheep. They're not strengthening the weak. They're not healing the sick. They're not taking care of those who have wandered off. They're supposed to do those things. But instead of that, they're just satisfying their own ravenous desires. That's what false teachers and false prophets do. They use you to satisfy their own ravenous desires. It's another, pas- another passage in Second uh, Peter 2. Nails it. Second Peter 2, starting in verse 1, he says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. And you find passages like this all over the New Testament. These false teachers who have these ravenous desires for power, for money, for sensual pleasure. And they lead people into that. They, 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 they follow them. First uh, Peter 2, 14 says, They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children. Yikes. This is the strongest language you'll find in the New Testament is, is for these teachers who are so hungry for money, so hungry for sensual desires, so hungry for power and recognition that they will do anything even destroying you and your faith to satisfy their desires. 
They're ravenous wolves. And the first point that I'm trying to drive home for us this morning is such people really do exist. This is not a caricature. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality. There are, and always have been, as long as there's been uh, the Christian faith, there are false teachers out there who are not harmless, who are not mere annoyances, but are ravenous wolves seeking to devour people who would otherwise be following Jesus. Not everybody who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. Not everybody in a pulpit or everybody who has a TV ministry or everybody who quotes from the Bible. Not everyone is a good shepherd who has your best interests in heart, at heart. Some of them are ravenous wolves. And we need this warning. We need this warning. Because honestly, we can be gullible. We can be gullible. Partly it's a function of, of the nature of the gospel we believe in. Or according to the gospel, you know, we, Jesus has said, uh, don't judge, right, lest you be judged. And there's also this, this profound sense in which we are forgiven of all of our sins, and, and, and there's grace for second chances, and you want to cut everybody a lot of slack. And so there's sort of this, this innate tendency to give people a little more credit than they're due. If we're following Jesus, we're believing the gospel. And so we're open, this is why we need this warning, because we're open to then giving people way more credit than they need, showing grace to people who are actually wolves, and letting them devour the sheep. So Jesus says, don't do that, don't fall into that air of being gullible. Don't be naive. Because there's also this sense in which, as true believers, you've encountered Jesus, and you love him, and he's changed your life. And you can't even fathom how anyone would claim to be a Christian and, and use the name of Jesus who you love merely to get money from somebody. It's almost beyond comprehension. And so we need this warning from Jesus to say, not everyone has been truly converted. There are some people for whom this is an act. And all they want to do is satisfy their desires, no matter what it does to you. That's the bad news, that, that these false teachers exist. But you know, the good news is, the good news is, it's actually really easy to spot them. A wolf with a little sheepskin over him is, is pretty easy to see, really. If, if, as long as you're not an idiot, you can identify, oh, that, that, that's not really a sheep. And Jesus tells us that. He says, you can recognize them. He says it a couple times. You will recognize them by their fruits. So in verse 16, he switches word pictures. He's talking about sheep and, and wolves, talking about sheep and wolves, and then he switches to talk about trees. And he does this to help us answer the question, how do you tell the difference between two things that look the same outwardly? This is a sheep and this is a wolf with a sheep's clothing. They both look the same. How do you tell the difference? And so he talks about trees. Consider two trees. They may look the same from the outside. Both look like trees. They're normal trees. You can't see inside of them to examine the health of the interior of the tree. You can't get under the ground to examine the root system of the tree. You can't tell just by looking at the outside of the tree which one's a good tree, which one's a bad tree. 
But Jesus points out, all you have to do is wait, and you'll see the fruit that the trees produce. And the tree that produces good fruit is a good tree. The tree that produces bad fruit is a bad tree. It's really that simple. All you have to do is look at the fruit. Don't be fooled by outward appearances. Just see what they produce. So if we want to know if someone's a false teacher, all we have to do is look at what comes out of them. Look at their fruit. And the two big categories of fruit are words and actions. Pretty much covers it all, right? I don't know what else there is. Their words and their actions. You'll recognize them by their words. Uh, Now, we know that words are in view here, that Jesus is talking about words because he, he uses the language of false prophets, He says, watch out for these false prophets. And words are what prophets are all about. They claim to have a word from God, to have a message from God. That's what a prophet is, someone who has a word from God. And they're saying, this is what the Lord says. So obviously, one of the things we're evaluating in fruit is their message. You have to ask, does this message that the prophet or the teacher is bringing line up with what God has already said in his word? If you want to see if a false teacher is true or false, you just look, are they teaching and preaching what the Bible says? False teachers do not teach the Bible. Now, they may use the Bible here and there. They'll quote from it out of context to say what they want to say, but they do not actually teach the Bible. They leave out all the parts they don't like, all the parts that you may not like. They just say what they think you want to hear. It's the best way to get a crowd. Just say what people want to hear. The the prophet Jeremiah, he was a true prophet. You can find him in the book of Jeremiah. He experienced this tension in his day, though. Jeremiah did um, did not have a nice message to give. The Lord had told him, here's the message you're supposed to give. You're supposed to give a message of judgment, calling people to repentance. And if they don't, then your nation is going to be destroyed. That's what Jeremiah had to say. And when he did that, people literally threw him in a pit. That was his reward for being a true prophet. But at the same time, all sorts of other false prophets came out of the woodwork, and they said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. Jeremiah's wrong. God has told me that everything is going to be fine. And they got parties and crowds and recognition and pats on the back because everybody loved to hear that message. But in Jeremiah, God says this, Therefore, I will give their wives, he's talking about the false prophets, I will give their wives to others and their fields to conquerors, because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wounds of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. That, in a nutshell, is the game of a false prophet, to say, peace, peace, when there is no peace doesn't matter what the truth is, just tell people what they want to hear. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul warns Timothy about this. 2 Timothy 4.1, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What does a true prophet or a true teacher teach? They teach the Word. They teach the Word of God, all of it, not just the nice bits, not just the parts that will draw a crowd, but they teach the whole thing. By contrast, a false teacher is one who people gather around to scratch their itching ears. Oh, doesn't that feel good? Oh, that's what I wanted to hear. That's what I needed to hear today. Okay, false teachers may give you bits of Scripture, but only in ways that will satisfy what you want to hear. A true teacher teaches the whole counsel of God. So if you want to tell if someone's a true teacher, look at their words. What do they say? Do they teach the Bible? Let me flesh this out a little bit more. Give you some examples. Because false teachers do say things that we want to hear, and they say things that sound nice. So how can we recognize them? What sort of words do they use? One thing that false teachers love to talk about, especially today, is the power of positive thinking. They love to talk about that, and we like to hear it. Your words have power. If you just say the positive things, if you just believe positive things, if you speak them into existence, they will happen. It will come back to you. Just stay positive. The reason things aren't going well for you is because you're so negative. Your problem is your negativity. You need to switch that around and be positive. That's what the false teachers say. They love to say stuff like that. They love to talk about how God wants to make you wealthy and healthy. That this is God's plan for your life, to be wealthy and to be healthy. And they use Scripture, they take it out of context, they you know, mess it up beyond all recognition, and they say, here's, here's what it teaches. They ignore all the parts that talk about the normality of suffering and persecution in the Christian life. Just that doesn't matter. We'll just get, get rid of that. Look over here. And they say, God wants you to be healthy. And if you're not healthy, if you're not wealthy, then clearly there's a problem with you. You don't have enough faith or you haven't given enough money to my ministry. But if you just do that, then God will solve all your problems. They love to talk about that. And they love to talk about themselves. They're always the heroes. When you listen to them preach or teach, they always talk about how they used to not know that God wanted them to be healthy and wealthy. And then they learned that God wanted them to be healthy and wealthy, and they began to believe it, and they lived their life this way. And if you will just follow them and buy their books and come to their church, then you too can be like them a real hero who's achieved breakthrough. They don't talk about Jesus. They talk about themselves. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about the real problem. The only problem is that you're poor. The only problem is that you're sick. The only problem is that you don't have enough faith. They don't talk about sin. You don't have a real problem of rebellion against God. You don't have a heart that needs to be changed. You don't have a need for a Savior. They don't talk about the Savior. They may use the name of Jesus a lot as a token of Jesus. Just believe in Jesus. But they don't talk about Jesus. 
They don't talk about him as the Savior, as the Son of God who gave his life for us and rose from the dead. They don't talk about him as an all-satisfying treasure that if you only have Jesus, it doesn't matter what else you have in this life. They never say that. Because you need the Cadillac. You need you know, the, the healing. That's what you really need. That's what they say. They don't talk about the narrow way. They don't teach that becoming a Christian means humbling yourself and submitting to Jesus as Lord. They don't talk about eternity. They just want you to have your best life now. They don't want you to live forever in heaven. They don't dare talk about the torments of hell. They claim to be Christians. They claim to teach the Bible, but if you listen, they're obviously false teachers. Um, all right. Now, I dropped enough hints. Let's just get explicit. There are so many false teachers. Okay, I'm not going to list them all. I'd be happy to have conversations with you if you're like, I've been hearing this people. I've listened to this guy. I've got, heard this show about this book. What do you think? Is this good? I'd be happy to evaluate that with you. Let me give you an example. Probably the most mainstream false teacher in America today is Joel Osteen. He is a false teacher. He's a pastor of the largest quote-unquote church in America. 40,000 people go to his church every week. It's, it's where the Houston Rockets used to play basketball. It's a former NBA arena. Okay. He's got a TV audience in the millions. If you don't know him by name, you probably recognize him. He's the smiling pastor. He used to stand in front of a giant rotating golden globe. Okay. He wrote a whole bunch of self-help books, made millions of dollars. They're these self-help books with a Christian veneer. Your Best Life Now is one of them. Break Out is another one. You Can, You Will. And his newest one is called The Power of I Am, which is not about the power of the great I am, that is God who can do all things, but the power of you saying I am, like I am wealthy, I am uh, sophisticated, I am smart, I am, and gosh darn it, people like me. Right? He, he, that's, that's, that's the I am that has the power, right? Now the frustrating thing is that people keep saying that he's a Christian. And people keep saying that he's a good teacher. There's nothing too wrong about him, nothing too dangerous but you just have to listen to what he says. He claims to use the Bible. He, I mean, he uses the Bible. He claims to teach the Bible. He doesn't teach the Bible. He uses the Bible to teach positive thinking. I went to his website this week, and I went to his sermon page, and I just took a blurb, his summary of his most recent sermon, which is representative of all of them. Okay. And I'm telling you this not specifically to pick on Joel Osteen, but to help us to be trained to discern all of the other false teachers that we hear as well. So here's the summary of his sermon. The title is, Remember Your Dream. He says, when God gives you a dream and puts a promise in your heart, most often there is a delay. A lot of people give up in the face of opposition and let their dreams become buried under discouragement, past mistakes, rejection, negative voices, and failure. But that doesn't have to be you. Your dream may be buried, but the good news is that it's still alive. It's not too late to see it come to pass. God promises in Joel 2.25, no, he doesn't, by the way, to restore you the lost years. It's time to remember your dream and believe again. Let me also see, like, what? 
Like, what did he just say? It kind of goes down smooth, right? Nothing too offensive. It's really just a collection of slogans from Disney movies. Just believe your dreams. Follow your heart. Stay positive. And we want to laugh, but we really should cry. Because this guy is a wolf. He is deceiving people with these positive messages that are leading folks on the wide and easy path that leads to destruction. He's taking people away from the narrow way of following Jesus with promises of health and prosperity and success in this life. And it's not just him. These people exist. And if you want to know if they're a wolf, you need to listen to their words. Listen. But the other fruit is action. Jesus says you will also recognize them by their actions. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. So they got the right words, right? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The one who truly enters the kingdom of heaven, the one who's the real believer, is the one who obeys the will of the Father. One of the tests of a true Christian and a true teacher is obedience. False teachers and false prophets don't obey. Jesus says in verse 22, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So the reality is that they are workers of lawlessness. They may outwardly look like Christians, doing the outward form of acting like a Christian, but their real lives are ones that are characterized by lawlessness. They do whatever they want. They don't follow the law of God. They're not obedient to Jesus. And sometimes we get confused here because of the stuff talked about in verse 22. Right, we get confused and we, we, we count impressive acts of power as obedience. Those are different things. And so they ask their question, but how could you say we didn't obey? We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did mighty works in your name. And we look at people that we see on television folks that are very successful, folks that may even appear at least to be healing people. And we say, clearly, they must be real Christians. Look at what they do. Look at how many people follow them. Look how successful they are. And Jesus warns us, don't confuse these showy acts of, of, of performance, even ones done in the name of Jesus. Don't confuse that with really knowing Jesus and obeying him. See, what Jesus wants is not these showy outward acts of obedience. He wants us to know him. He wants us to follow him. He has given us the whole Sermon on the Mount to describe what a true follower of Jesus looks like. He's told us the Beatitudes at the very beginning. He's walked through with the characteristics of how we act with our anger, with our lust, with divorce, and, and keeping our word, how we treat enemies, you know, giving to the needy. He's, he's laid it all out. He says, this is the fruit. This is the good fruit. He summarized it with the golden rule. He says, if a person is doing that, then you can know, okay, that's a good tree. 
But if they're only talking the talk and they don't have the fruit of a changed life to show for it, you know they are a wolf. True Christians bear fruit. You obey, you follow Jesus. But false teachers bear bad fruit. They don't look like Jesus. They don't love other people. They just say they do. So if you want to identify a false teacher, you listen to their words, but you also look at their actions. And we could pick on Joel Osteen again, if you wanted to. I could pick on him for quite a while. But, and there's plenty of other ones we could pick on. I want to take a little left turn here and, and show you how you do this with someone else. This is a pretty easy one, but I want you to look at the Donald. Donald Trump. Okay, now he's, he's not a teacher. He's not setting himself up to be a, a leader uh, in the church. But he's a guy who's a public figure and setting himself up to be, you know, wants to be the president of our country. And he's claimed to be a Christian. He's claimed very publicly to be a Christian. It's part of his stump speech to say that he loves the Bible. It's his favorite book. So he says these things. And I'm not saying that you have to be a Christian to be our president. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying here's a person who's setting himself up as a leader, and he is explicitly using a claim of being a Christian as a means to get people to follow him. Okay, so we need to evaluate, are his claims legitimate? Or is he a wolf trying to devour you for his purposes? This one's really easy. Uh, He said, Lord, Lord, he claims to be a Christian, he says he loves the Bible, But when you look at his life, when you ask the key question, does he look like Jesus? Does he reflect the character of a person described in the Beatitudes? Does he love others the way he loves himself? The answer is obviously no. Donald Trump is not poor in spirit, he is not meek and humble. He does not hunger and thirst for righteousness. He is not a peacemaker. So even if he says the right things, even if he says that he's a Christian, even if he could have said what his favorite Bible verse was, even if he does say that he loves the Bible, even if he uses all the right words, a little dog whistle so that we respond, he says, oh yeah, I know, he must be one of us. He's not one of us. Now, separate question whether or not you decide to vote for him. Hear what I'm saying. He is not one of us. He is a wolf who is trying to masquerade as a Christian so that Christians will vote for him. That's how you identify false teachers. It's really not that hard. You look at their words, what do they say? You look at their actions, how do they live? And if they're living in blatant disobedience to the calling of Jesus, then you know they're pretenders. The application, I think, is clear for us. Since there are false teachers, and since we can't identify them by their fruits, we need to do that. Beware of the wolves. Don't be a naive Christian. Don't don't think just because someone has a pulpit... And they stand up there and they say the name Jesus, that they're really a Christian. Don't don't think just because someone's on TV, you know, with a, a giant ministry and lots of people are following them, don't think that 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 person is necessarily a Christian. 
Don't vote for a politician just because they say the Bible's their favorite book. Don't be that naive. There are wolves. They want to destroy you. But you can spot them. Don't be deceived. Stick to Jesus and true teachers who teach the Bible and live as best they can in obedience to Him. And you will follow the straight and narrow path that leads to life. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this warning. Um, And we pray for ourselves and also for the millions of people who are being led astray by wolves. Not just here in America, but around the world as a prosperity gospel and these false teachers are held up as examples of the true faith. Oh Lord, may you may you cripple their ministries. May you expose them publicly for the, the charades that they are. Um, and may you save people from these wicked shepherds. Help us to be discerning, Lord, and to be examples towards other people of what a true follower of Jesus is. In your name, amen.